pastor in his newspaper with Dr. Castro, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. So great to be with you. And um, we are going to be talking mostly about uh, one major event that happened uh, beginning of this year in the early part of January with the death of former Pope. uh, And uh, he first actually the first Pope in since uh, I believe the 15th century that uh, stepped down from office. Most Popes die in office, but Pope Benedict the 16th passed away early this month. And so I want to talk about that and the effects that is has on the Catholic church going forward. Uh, But as a kind of a theme, um, different, it it was, it was kind of an, uh, an year where a lot of, people, famous people, people, historical people that passed away in 2022. Obviously, we I talked about this several, several episodes ago, episodes ago, but Queen Elizabeth II passed away in 2022. But also Mikhail Gorbachev, the former Soviet, last Soviet premier uh, before the wall fell, before communism fell. Um, and uh, if you don't know much about Miguel Gorbachev. He had like a a purple mark on the top of his head, Uh, but he attempted, but failed, but, um, you know, noble for him to try. He tried to reform the Soviet Union, uh, Glasnost, which means openness. He was trying to open up uh, the country, more freedom of speech and press. Um, Perestroika was a restructuring to decentralize economic decision-making, making it more copy- capitalistic. And um, the, eventually there was a coup and then the uh, Soviet Union fell and then Boris Yeltsin took over. And now kind of Soviet type thinking has returned to Russia uh, under Vladimir Putin. Um, but he passed away at 91 this year. Uh, Kenneth Starr, who was 76, he was, um, um, you know, he was involved in the, um, the Clinton uh, Monica Lewinsky scandal. He was the um, the attorney that brought the case against um, Clinton and uh, perjury uh, trial. Perjury. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, he he basically Clinton lied under oath about it and kind of started with the lawyer, the attorney um, that uh, brought that case, um, and he passed away at seventy six. I think I think yet later on he was the president of Baylor University. Um, uh, Nichelle Knuckles, who is, uh, she died at 89. If you don't know who she is, she was Lieutenant Yohora in the original Star Trek. Um, and she passed away at 89. Uh, I like Star Trek more of a next generation fan than I am the original series. Um, but, um, you know, she was, she was kind of a very, um, important actress in the sixties because, because of, uh, civil rights issues that happened in the United States in the sixties. Uh, but she was kind of a, a main character, but being black, um, and um, and kind of pro- showing in the future that there would be more inclusion uh, racially in the world. Uh, very sad, but Robbie Coltra- Coltrane passed away at 72. If you don't know who that is, a British actor. He played Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies. He also uh, played a recurring villain in the James Bond movies with Pierce Brosnan, um, Vladimir. I think Vladimir is his first name. I can't remember his second name, but he was in two Prigger's Brosman films uh, before he did the, uh, he was Hagrid in um, the Harry Potter movies. Um, but also kind of with the James Bond theme, he, uh, Monty Norman died at 94. He wrote the Bond theme song. 
for Dr. No, which then became the main theme song for James Bond. Uh, Ann Turner Cook, she died at 95. She was the original Gerber baby. Uh, so that picture on the Gerber baby uh, um, glass uh, container for food, that's Ann Turner Cook. She passed away at 95. Uh, Herschel Williams, she, he died at 98. He was the last living World War II Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, he received that uh, because of his heroics during the Battle of Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima he was a Marine. Uh, Vince Julie, the uh, great Georgia football coach, uh, died at 90. His son, uh, coached at the university of Tennessee. And so, um, uh, he passed away. Uh, his son is Derek Dooley, very failed football coach for the university of Tennessee. We do not celebrate Derek, but Georgia fans obviously celebrate Vince Dooley. He passed away at 90 this year. Sad, but Mike Leach, the, the, the great pirate football coach at Texas tech, Washington state. And then at Mississippi state passed away suddenly this year, um, before their bowl game. Uh, before Christmas, actually, um, with a heart attack, died at 61. Uh, the great Bill Russell, great Celtics basketball player, uh, Hall of Famer, multi, multiple, like, maybe like more than 10 uh, championships. I could have that wrong. Uh, Bill Russell died at 88 this year. Um, James Khan, uh, 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 82, Ray Liotta, 67, passed away. Two great uh, mobster movie actors, Ray Liotta, obviously, in Goodfellas. And James Caan and the and the Godfather, um, and they passed away this year. Um, also, George uh, Newall, uh, co-creator of Schoolhouse Rock, uh, which uh, which first aired in 1973, he passed away this year. Huge fan of Schoolhouse Rock, love it. Uh, I'm just a Bill. Yes, I'm only a Bill, and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Uh, great, one of my favorite. Uh, Madeleine Albright, first woman Secretary of State uh, under the Clinton administration. She died this year at 84. And dear, dear to my heart, Estella Harris. If you're like, who is Estella Harris? She died at 93 this year. She was George Costanda's mom in the Seinfeld show. Very funny and um, um, loved uh, her uh, with Ben Stiller's father, uh, father, uh, who played Arthur, I believe. No, that may have been from King of Queens. I can't remember what George's father's name in Seinfeld, uh, but they're just great and funny together with George Costanza. Um, so sad to see her pass away, but want to talk about, uh, someone else who died not in 2022, but the beginning of 2023 is Pope Benedict the 16th or known before he was Pope as Joseph Ratzinger, uh, German, a uh, Catholic priest who became Cardinal, um, became pretty high up during John Paul, uh, um, when he was Pope, uh, of, um, of the Catholic church. Uh, he was actually, um, you know, he was very, he was an academic, um, very studious, very intellectual, very much an intellectual. Um, and he, before he was Pope, um, he had a very important role, um, in the church and, um, it, he was the, uh, he led it, 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 from 1981 up until I believe, uh, he became Pope, but, um, he was the, the, he was a head of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith or the CDF. So in his, in, in a lot of ways, he was the, the keeper of the theology and the doctrine of the Catholic church. And it was his job to weed out heresy. 
And if he, if there was anything that was going against the Catholic church to correct, uh, he was known as the God's Rottweiler is what he was known for. Um, he was an academic. He was very, uh, sound and very, um, uh, he wasn't known to be very warm or pastoral, uh, but to be more of a thinker. Um, and so he, you know, he became a Pope after John Paul older. He was older. I think he was uh, fairly uh, quite old when he became Pope. Um, and he decided in 20, 2013, February 2013 to step down as Pope before he passed away. Uh, like I said before, it's the first time a Pope has done that in 600 years for a Pope to step down. And so it was the first time in 600 years you had basically a, a Pope and a former Pope still alive at the same time. So in a lot of ways, the thought was you have two Popes and you couldn't have two different Popes and their understandings, what they focus on, their passions, then Benedict and Francis. Francis is the current Pope. Benedict is from Europe. He's German and he's an academic. And then you have Francis uh, from South America, the first um, South American uh, Pope who is less academic and far more pastoral, uh, cares far more about poverty and, and social issues. And the way that they even look at uh, scripture, the way that they look at theology, the way that they look at social issues are quite different. And in some ways they present two, uh, polar opposites, two polar, uh, two pillars or two, uh, probably a better way to say it, two poles of the Catholic church. Those who agree with Benedict and those who agree with Francis. And when both of them have been alive, you had kind of two separate camps within the Catholic church. Now with Benedict passing away, Francis is now the sole leader of the Catholic church. And he is I would say it properly term where Benedict is conservative. Francis is liberal. Now the liberals have far more power within the church. And what will that lead to? Now, when we think of conservative and liberal, um, we're speaking probably more politically actually than we are doctrine, but they doctrine is involved. But you know, as Protestants, especially we disagree with a lot of things when it comes to the Catholic church, um, the Catholic church continues to put traditions along this on the, as, as equal with scripture. Now, when you, uh, as Protestants, we believe in uh, sola scriptura, that scripture alone has authority over the church, not the scripture and traditions. Catholics uh, put traditions on the same um, same kind of level as scripture. Uh, also, you, there's a lot more authority given to, to men uh, in the Catholic structure. Uh, the Pope has a lot of authority over doctrine, interpretation of scripture, traditions, and the importance of certain traditions within the church. Um, and so the Pope has a lot of authority. Um, it's given uh, too, I would, we would say too much, um, too much authority over the church. Christ is the head of the church. There's no Christ and then a Pope and then a priesthood and then the clerk and then the laity. Uh, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We also believe in that scripture uh, should be given to all people to read and to study and to understand, to do, to then repent of their sins and trust and follow Christ. Um, and so, so when we talk about the difference between conservative and liberal, primarily we're talking about more political social issues than we are maybe talking about theology. But, you know, interesting about Benedict is that he, he and I think this is where the conversation um, is important to have, is that 
Benedict stood for truth. He believed in absolute truth. He believed that uh, God's word was um, is uh, God the God's revelation. It's as how we know who God is. Though therefore, Scripture has authority over people, and uh, therefore, God's word is truth giving, and there is a truth to be followed. Um, and he he did believe that there was a um, there was somewhat of a dictatorship of relativism that uh, subjective truth or your truth is is okay and and I'll have my truth is damaging to our society um, and also very damaging to uh, the church itself or uh, an institution like the Catholic Church. Well, Francis is somewhat on the opposite end of this um, and. He, while, you know, again, he's Pope, but he, he leads too much gray. Um, he holds a view like, who am I to judge your view? And he kind of falls into this relativism um, um, type of thinking um, that I, we, I, we believe is, is contrary to scripture. Well, it's also contrary to what is, is what we see in the world, that there is objective truth. There is uh, a right and a wrong. There is no just complete neutral on so many different issues. And so with Benedict passing away, you know, Francis has hinted at, you know, support of gay marriage, um, you know, and especially in America, American Catholic, American Catholic Church, and a lot of the leadership within the Catholic Church in America tends to uh, uh, follow and Benedict's kind of side on this tend to be more conservative on social issues and have spoken against um, uh, Francis's views on gay marriage and abortion. And the American Catholic priests have not wanted to give communion to politicians in the Catholic church that support abortion. And I believe when, when Biden went to the Pope, Pope gave him the Eucharist. So you see the division in the, in the disagreement. Um, Benedict would have, would have stand, stand stood with the American priests and their decision about not giving the Eucharist to giving the, the Lord's supper to uh, Catholics who support gay, uh, who support abortion who are poor choice, poor choice and not pro-life. And so it, 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 what's also fascinating is that there's a, we have several, I, I think it's, I think it's more than three Catholic Supreme court justices. And these Supreme court justices who happen to be Catholic are all conservative. They would agree with Benedict and disagree with Francis. Um, so the way that the Catholic church is structured is quite interesting. African and Asian, um, primarily the Catholic church in these, these two continents tend to be more conservative and would have agreed with Benedict and some of most of his views. They believe in an absolute truth. Uh, they are, they are against abortion. They're against gay marriage. Um, and, but yet the church, the Catholic church in Europe and the Catholic church in South America, uh, tend to support Francis's view on, um, um, on abortion, gay marriage, and some other issues that the church is divided on. So, um, Benedict's passing away, his death really does kind of open up this, 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 this can of, of what's going to happen to the Catholic church. Now, I think for for many liberals within the Catholic church, there was this hope that the church would begin to become more modernized and more liberal. 
um, um, in the coming, especially since Francis, but even before then, before uh, Benedict was the Pope. But Benedict became the Pope, which kind of showed this conservative resurgence within the Catholic Church that the conservatives still have power and still have influence within the church. Um, now with Francis's ascension and him being Pope and him kind of being in the celebrated hero of the liberals within the church, um, there is a sense where maybe um, the church is on this liberal projection and that um, the church will continue down this road of, of becoming more liberal and more liberal going forward. Um, and so uh, reading an article by Al Mohler on this issue in the World Magazine, he talks about the central conservative challenge that is probably not only happening around, you know, around our country, but mostly within the Catholic Church. Um, several, I mean, a year or so ago, uh, Benedict is from uh, Germany, but in his, in his home country of Germany, uh, many of the priests there were, were going ahead and affirming gay marriage within their churches, even though that wasn't a centralized position within the Catholic church. Um, and so Catholic church is now, now with, with Benedict's passing away is entering into this, this age where the liberals now have a lot of authority. When you have a Pope who is, who holds a certain view, uh, they have the ability to, um, raise up those who agree with them into levels of authority in the church who then will have uh, decision power uh, for future popes in the coming uh, years and decades. Um, and so we'll see kind of where this goes. It seems likely based off other denominations and what they, what's happened to them in the past when they've made certain decisions um, that there is a kind of a le- leftward turn. Um, and it seems like that's where the church Catholic church is going, that they are moving further to the left. Um, and, and I think that will have a major effect. I mean, there is 1.4 billion Catholics around the world. Um, and m- again, if, if many of them start to be swayed or led left, um, it's going to have a lot of effect on, on elections going forward in, in, in America, especially because there are a lot of Catholics and um, um, they tend to be uh, actually more conservative. Um, and will this affect even their views on gay marriage, abortion going forward? If leadership within the Catholic church continues to go leftward, if they, if they put bishops in American dioceses that tend to be more left and more agreeing with the, the central authority in Vatican, uh, how that has effect on American society going forward. Um, and so and I think as we, I remember I talked about this a few episodes ago with the United Methodist Church, but if you are in a, in a more conservative church, if you're in a more conservative denomination, Southern Baptist, um, uh, Bible church, um, any of these other type of denominations, just do not get comfortable with where you are. Um, the, 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 the move leftward, the move towards rejecting truth, rejecting God's word. It, it's very subtle, that turn. Uh, and it may happen over many years of this moving more left, more, more left, more left, uh, denying God's authority, denying the truth of scripture, denying um, what is, what is true and what is, what is real and moving towards, well, who am I? I mean, who am I to judge? Who am I to, to say what is right or what is wrong? Things actually are more gray than we like to say. They, actually, things are more into personal interpretation. 
that's kind of where the Catholic church is going. That's where the core of the, of, of Francis's responses to a lot of different issues. And again, when we start to move and, and we start to, um, not look to scripture as the source of, of truth and what is right and what is wrong, we start to veer and we start to move away. And the further we go that direction, we start to change completely because where the United Methodist church is con- today is many years of compromises and saying, who are we, who are we to make that? Who are we to say that? Who are we to say that? But if scripture is, clear on an issue like gay marriage if, or on life or other issues. The Bible is quite clear on these issues. Reading and studying and standing on scripture should give us solid ground on which to stand. And interesting enough about Benedict, I was when I was a first year seminary student at Southern Seminary, I was in New Testament one and I was required to read Pope Benedict the 16th book, Jesus of Nazareth. Like, why am I reading a book by a Catholic uh, Pope on Jesus? It seemed really odd to me. I read it. Great book. uh, Very scholarly. I learned quite a lot. had a lot of highlights. I was looking at it this morning and all the things that I highlighted. There was a lot that I agreed with Benedict on. Obviously, I disagree on his understanding of the Lord's Supper, his understanding of baptism, his understanding of the sacraments, but uh, very interesting understanding of who Jesus is. And I'm not making any claims here that I'm Catholic or agree with Catholicism in any way. Um, but I do believe that Benedict was um, a man who stood for truth and was very sound in a lot of areas. And his death is not good for Western civilization. Um, as Al Mora talked about, he was the defender of Western civilization. And I think his passing and his influence over many people and now Francis and other popes that may come after Francis who are not sound on truth are dangerous for Western civilization. They're dangerous. They're not friends. They're not allies. And the, the fight for truth. Benedict was, I believe a friend. I think he was an ally in our, in our, in our battle over truth. And his passing is, is sad. His passing is, is unfortunate. And it's, he's a man who I think was somewhat misunderstood. Uh, again, he wasn't academic. He wasn't pastoral. Um, but he was a man who, even though was alive, uh, and he had, uh, someone who disagreed with him, he kept his disagreement private with him, uh, and cultural and friendly. And it seemed like he truly did care for Francis, um, and loved him, And they had a very close relationship. And I think we can learn a lot about friendship, even friendship where people who disagree with one another and how to have a relationship like that. So, um, so I think, I think we'll see kind of in the future, how this affects the Catholic church. I don't think it's a good thing. Um, I think Francis is now being the clear leader of the Catholic church, uh, because with Benedict being alive, there's almost again, like two popes, um, how much effect he's going to have on the church going forward. Um, and are we going to start to see a series of popes like Francis 
which will have a very damaging effect um, on on our society. Because again, there's a lot of Catholics around the world uh, and the Pope does have a lot of influence um, over them. So I uh, just wanted to, to talk about uh, talk about Benedict and, and, and his passing. Um, if you have any other questions about Catholicism, if you're like you're Protestant, don't know much about Catholicism, um, there are some, some good resources. I would encourage you, um, you know, reading Pope Benedict 16th book, Jesus of Nazareth, I think it's a, it's a fair read. I don't think it's a dangerous read. It's not like it's going to uh, turn you into a Catholic in any ways, but it's just interesting to kind of read from a, from a Catholic perspective. Um, there's other things that you can find. There's actually a great book, uh, a professor at Southern Seminary by, called Greg, Greg Allison wrote a book on Catholicism. And he does talk about the system. I think it's very interesting and very um, eye-opening. Um, Catholics, in a lot of ways, there's a um, they have to, in some ways, there's a channel by which um, grace is given, and that channel is physical um, instead of spiritual, and hence the importance of Mary, the importance of the Eucharist, uh, the importance of the priests and the confessions. Um, you can't just have forgiveness from Christ. It has to be given to you by a earthly person. And that being uh, a priest, uh, we obviously disagree with that. Christ is the one who gives us grace through his blood. Um, also the Eucharist, you know, we don't receive grace through eating bread and drinking a uh, grape juice or wine through a cup. Uh, grace is given through Christ and our faith in Christ alone. Uh, we don't receive more grace uh, because we eat or drink something. Uh, we receive complete sufficient grace through faith in Christ alone. Um, and so there, again, there's these, the, the system by which they've constructed over many, many, many centuries. Um, and, and again, I think the biggest issue with the Catholic church that I want to just kind of, uh, in here is not affirming the sole authority of scripture over people's life. Uh, God is the creator he is the Lord. His word is the only word given to man by which we must follow. It's the only word that has authority over us um, and ultimate authority. Uh, so we look to it for, uh, for how to live, but also we look to it for our understanding of how to be saved and redeemed and to know God is through his word. And the Catholics have, and, and have rejected uh, the authority of scripture so often in so many ways, and they've elevated tradition, I think, above scripture. Um, and so therefore, that's why you meet a lot of Catholics who they go to go to mass quite often, um, but they have very little understanding of scripture um, because they are Catholics by tradition alone, not by belief and, and trust in God's word. Um, and so for, which is why many Catholics are not Christians because they have come to put their faith in a system and not their faith in Christ alone. Uh, there are some Catholics out there who are Christians who happen to still be in the church and pray that God would, would redeem and move them, transfer them out of that and put them in Bible believing churches. Pray if you, if you know other Catholics that they would be rescued from uh, that system and, and, and put in Bible believing churches. And I believe God has done that and will do that. But pray for others if you know those who are, who are dedicated Catholic uh, uh, Catholic um, uh, goers or Catholic. Um, they they have a weak understanding of justification by faith alone, and they believe that their works are what give them salvation. 
uh, Christ has basically uh, gotten rid of our original sin. That's why many Catholics are baptized as infants. They don't have original sin, but they have to work their way to being saved fully. Um, and when they don't, when they fail to work that off in, in life, they have to go to purgatory and finish that work. We are saved and redeemed by the blood of Christ alone. He, his blood is sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins. Um, we are justified as Paul says, by faith in Christ through him, we've obtained access, not through our works, not through the Pope, not through Mary, not through the priest. None of these things are how we get access to Christ or to God, to fellowship with God. We can, we can confidently walk into the throne of grace, knowing we are accepted there because of Jesus Christ, not because of the Pope, not because of our works. And so this is the, this is the weakness of the Catholic church. And so I want to encourage you, if you know someone who's Catholic or you have a family member who's Catholic or uh, an old friend to talk to them, open scripture, look at these passages. Um, we are, we, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law was unable to save works are unable to save. Paul talks about this in Romans only salvation in Christ. God was able to save us through his son. The law was unable to save us. So um, people are in some ways adopting um, an old religion of, of works base in Catholicism and basically just put Christian or Jesus imagery, but yet it's still an old religion of works as the only way to earn um, favor with God. And so uh, point them to scripture, point them to salvation in Christ. They're justified by Christ alone, through faith alone, according to scripture alone. And uh, so this is hopefully very helpful to you. Maybe opens up a little bit of interest for you about the Catholic church. Um, Maybe have a conversation with them about Benedict and uh, hope to have more things to talk about in the future, have other issues going on in the world. We'd love to talk to you uh, in in future episodes about those things. Uh, I want to encourage you to continue to read the news with the Bible in your hand. This has been uh, a pastor's newspaper with Dr. Castro. Hope you have a wonderful weekend and hope to see you next week.